This message was recorded live at Life Church Lancashire, a contemporary Christian church in the north of England. Learn more at lifelanks.org. So, we've got the series of joy, and I'm just joyful, right? Because I've decided that I'm going to be. I am joyful, and when times when things kind of crowd in on me, I'm always making a constant decision to say, Jeff, you're preaching this, so you've got to live it. And so uh, I've got to be an example of this joy thing. I, I, and it's, it's totally on me at, at this year. It's totally on me. I just believe God's spoken very clearly about his joy. And, and, and I've just deliberately been joyful and thanking God. I talked last week, just made a kind of a, threw a phrase out there of the attitude of gratitude. And I just think it's, it's just a great way to live. I'm, I'm loving living like that. Having an attitude of gratitude. And I'm constantly reminding myself of things why, that I need to be gra- grateful for. There are things that I want to see change, but there's so many other things. I'm not focusing on the negative. I'm looking at the good things that God is doing. And this is, you know, this is, I'm not talking about the power of positive thinking. I'm talking about confessing the Word of God. What God says, what God says about you, what God has done for you, what God is doing in the hearts and lives of other people. Let's get this stuff into proper focus. So it's not just looking at things that are not perhaps as we would like them to be. But joy in our lives is the fruit of a right relationship with God. And you know, it's, it's the fruit of a life of integrity. That's where joy comes from. When we allow ourselves to do things we oughtn't to do and, and drift away from God, that's what robs our joy. So knowing that that's the case, then we have to do something deliberately about it. And I realize I'm banging on about this for a few weeks, but I have to get it before you can get it. I have to be reminded before I remember. And so do you. So I'm teaching this stuff and I'm living this stuff because God has really placed this so heavy on my heart that this is the kind of life that we live. There's doom and gloom around us in society, but we have chosen a better path. We have chosen a different route. We have chosen a different persona, a different attitude. We've got an attitude of gratitude. We're thanking God. We're rejoicing for who God is and what God's done. And we're excited about what God has done, is doing, and will do. So Paul kicks off in Philippians 1. We're going to be at the end of Philippians 2 in a moment. But Paul kicks off saying how much he thanks God every time he remembers these guys at Philippi. Paul's like miles, hundreds of miles away. But when he remembers how wonderful these guys are and how committed and how passionate for Jesus they are, he just begins to thank God for them. So I've been doing that all the time these last few weeks. I've been just remembering, thinking about how God's worked in individuals' lives, thanking God for our kids that we have, thanking God for our our faithful older people, thanking God for the people who serve, thanking God for the people who just, just bless us in so many different ways. So I'm... I'm, I'm on one. I uh, totally am on one, right? And I want you to join me. <laughs> because it makes a difference. You know, actually, clinically, it has been proved that when you do this kind of stuff, you feel better. Can I not belittle anyone's sickness? Absolutely not. We want to stand and work and help you and support you. But you do feel better when you begin to rejoice. So rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. And again, rejoice. Wonderful. So here we are. 
And we're coming to the end of uh, chapter 2. We're going to look at that. And Paul talks specifically about two particular guys, Timothy and Epaphroditus. And he mentions these particular men, and we'll look at that in just a moment. And he's really kind of honoring them by talking about them. In your Bible it says Paul commends these guys or or recommends them or honors them or whatever you want to look at it. So Paul's doing that and and he's kind of focusing on that. And I, I just realized again how important it is that we just acknowledge the good people in our lives that we, we give honor to people, that we, that we thank people, that we, we don't just take anything for granted, but, you know, we, 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 we thank the person who's, who's taught your, your child in kids' church this morning. We thank the person that uh, gr- greeted us on the car park, we, and, and so on. Let's just have this thing, let's create a flow of this stuff happening more and more and more so people are appreciated. I was with at a pastor's conference on Friday and night and, and yesterday, and, you know, there's a couple of guys who were sharing about some of the challenges that had been, but, you know, what stood up or stood out in all of the kind was the, was the little things, how people encouraged them. And I think we all thrive on encouragement. We all do better with encouragement than just people think, well, he's doing his job, that's what he does. No, no, we, we, we don't, that's not our culture at Life Church. This is not how we roll here. It's not what we do. We don't speak like that. No, we, we thank people, we're grateful. We build up and we, we, we encourage people and this is what we have to do. And, and you know, whilst Paul's talking about two people particularly, I think it's important to, to also remember that we need to live lives that are as big as possible and as broad as possible so we invite as many people into our circle as we possibly can because I've got my friends sorted out. I've got him and her and... No, no, we need to be more open than that. You know, an open door in our life groups this, you know, Thursday by Thursday. It needs to be an open door that people can join. An open door, you know, you know, are you sitting with your mate and no one else can sit anywhere near you? When you come into church, I just make your beeline for your friend and that's the person I'm going to speak to. No, well, let's live bigger than that. Let's get beyond that. Let's have friends and people close to us, absolutely, but we could and should and can live bigger. And I was encouraged. On, on Sunday, uh, 5 o'clock last week, we had the prayer hour. And more than 50% of the people at the prayer hour were under 30. That was good. That was good, wasn't it? That means we've got a present and a future. Not just a future, a present and a future. So I'll, I'm, I'm enjoying that. And we, were, we heard a statistic uh, that Dan shared with us that just last term, the PACE teams in the UK from, from, from the schools teams that are based from Life Church, as this is the Great Britain headquarters, spoke to 24,000 different pupils in schools. There's a statistic, eh? So Life Church, from the base that we have and, and all that you sow into this church and how you faithfully serve and, and, and support and all the things that you do, that's made it possible for 24,000 different students in just one term, one term, being reached. I would suggest uh, Pete's just back from, uh, from, from India, and I'm sure he'll be telling us at, at some later date about what was going on in but but Pete visited... Clement, who was with us for two years, who's a wonderful guy, and we, we were just so honored to have had him with us, and some of the other guys over there, and just working with it in India. That's possible because of 
who we are as Life Church community. That's possible because we create the opportunity and the base and the support for that. So let's think about how we can actually influence and impact many more people than just my, me and my mate. It's not just about you and your best mate. If my best mate's there, if my best mate smiles at me, buys me a coffee, I've had a good Sunday. I'm not suggesting that anyone would think like that, perhaps. Bigger, bigger, bigger. Sometimes people will look at you a bit strange. They might have eaten too much curry. There could be all sorts of reasons. Get over it and get on with it and... Connect with some more people. Let's see what we can do. So that, that, I'm loving that. And then, of course, Shahid was, was building some faith for us this morning. And Shahid and George are going out to, to, to Pakistan um, in a few days' time. And that's possible because of your support. That's possible because of your prayers. That's possible. That didn't sort of exist in isolation. It's part of Life Church. And that's because of you. So let, let's see that the world we're in, it's not just about me and mine, and it's about living bigger. So there's something about this kingdom. There's joy in this kingdom. That I, I got great joy from him. The, st- the stat about 24 pupils in schools, 24,000 pupils in different schools. I got just seen some pictures on, on, on Pete's Twitter feed and Facebook and stuff about the guys having a great time in India. There was joy in that. I thought, yeah, well, I, I've played like this tiny little part in that. It's wonderful. Absolutely brilliant. So let's, let's, let's live bigger than me and mine and my aspirations and my needs and, and so on. I think you get that. Let's get into Philippians chapter 2. We're going to read from uh, verse 19. And Paul's talking specifically about these two guys, Timothy, who you'll have heard of. He's got two books in the Bible named after him. And also a guy who's only mentioned in the book of Philippi, and that's Epaphroditus. So here we are in Philippians chapter 2, verse 19. Paul said, remember Paul's in Rome in prison, and he's writing to people hundreds of miles away. Paul said, if the Lord is willing... The Lord Jesus is willing, I hope to send Timothy to you soon for a visit. Then he can cheer me up by telling me how you are getting along. I have no one else like Timothy who genuinely cares about your welfare. All the others care only for themselves and not for what matters to Jesus Christ. But you know how Timothy has proved himself like a son with his father. He has served me with me in preaching the good news. I hope to send him to you just as soon as I find out what is going to happen to me here. And I have confidence from the Lord that I myself will come to see you soon. 25. Meanwhile, I thought I should send Epaphroditus back to you. He is a true brother, co-worker, a fellow soldier, and he was your messenger to help me in my need. I am sending him because he has been longing to see you. And he was very distressed that you heard he was ill. And he certainly was ill. In fact, he almost died. But God had mercy on him and also on me so that I would, have one sor- I would not have one sorrow after another. So I am all the more anxious to send him back to you, for I know you will be glad to see him. And then I will not be so worried about you. Welcome him with Christian love and great joy. And give him the honor that people like him deserve. For he risked his life for the work of Jesus Christ, and he was at the point of death while doing for me 
what he couldn't do from afar. So let's just take a a moment and, and pause and just think about what Paul's actually said about these two guys. He specifically points out these particular guys. Paul's in prison, these two, and encouraged him, providing for his practical needs, supporting him, just doing what they could to help the guy in this difficult situation. You know, Jesus said, you know, you visit someone in prison, it's like visiting me. That's how important it is that we support people in difficult situations. So here's the situation that Paul is in prison. Timothy, Epaphroditus are there. And Paul mentions a couple of things about Timothy. No one's else really that bothered, but thanks that you are. And it's kind of a bizarre sort of a comment. And he mentions Epaphroditus, who was miles away from home, but there to support him. So I want to talk about a couple of things uh, this morning. I want to talk about the joy of family, and I want to talk about the joy of giving. And I want you to grasp that these things, although can be challenging, are actually supposed to be a joy. So with the joy of family and the joy of giving, I thought I'd tackle the easy one first, the joy of giving. Now, so for some people, they think, this is a bit, this is personal, right? What, what I do with my finances, that's personal. It's none of your business. Well, actually, you need to understand that God has made it his business. It's not just your business. And secondly, I meet people, and, and, and I find this difficult at times, for people who are in their lives hospitable and generous, but when it comes to giving in church, they just kind of get it. And they think, well, and often said to me, look, you know, when we've got this sorted out, when we've got a bit of a better income, then we'll start to give. Let me prophesy from experience. <laughs> That's a bit of a, a bit of a, um, yeah, it's that. <laughs> People who say that in my 30 odd years experience in leadership never actually get round to giving. People who's personal finances increase two, threefold, still never get around to it because you never quite have enough. I've never met anybody who's got enough money and I've met some rich people. None of them ever seem to have enough, just a bit more. So here's the principle. We give from what we have, not what we don't have. We give not from what we hope to have, but what we have. So nobody's suggesting we give... And, and, and we do something crazy stupid. No, we're not suggesting that. But what we begin to do is when we learn the principle that out of poverty we give, we will then begin to give as our circumstances improve. Because if you don't give when your circumstances are limited, you will never give, believe me, when your circumstances improve. Because I've never seen it happen in 30-odd years. Someone proved me wrong, but I've never, ever seen it happen. We, the principle is that we give from what we have. And when we do that, we understand that. And the point is, God's not in heaven thinking, there's loads of things I would like to do, but I just haven't got the cash. God has never thought, if only I had more money. But God wants to help us because when we give, it isn't just benefit the thing that we give to, the local church, first and foremost is our responsibility. We can't give to anything else until we give to the local church. The Bible is very clear about that. But God wants to help us because when we begin to give, it actually releases us, it frees us from the hold of money. The Bible says the love of money is a root of evil. People who have a lot of money seldom love money as much as people who have limited money. 
money in my experience. Don't love money. Don't be confused by that. Money is a terrible master, but a wonderful servant. And if we, are, we get occupied about, I just need a bit more, I need a bit more. When I have more, I'll give. It doesn't work. We need to understand the joy of giving. The situation he was, Epaphroditus, had been sent from the church in Philippi and he travelled somewhere between 700 and 1200 miles depending on what route he'd taken to get there with the gift to meet Paul's need. Now that for him was a massive personal sacrifice. Couldn't get on a plane, train and automobile. He couldn't do that. He obviously had to walk. He had to perhaps get a boat. However he got there, massive and had to leave his family and the church that he had responsibility in to be there for, for, for Paul. He made a massive effort to do that but the joy was in meeting the need but it's giving's not about meeting needs it's about what's released in us when we give because when money has a hold on us it's a terrible thing just a bit more well how much is a bit more a bit a bit bigger house a bit better car a bit a bit a bit a bit It'll never end. It never ends if money's grasped you. And when we release, it's a crazy thing to do to give money away. It's a crazy thing. People think, no, I've got to hold on to this because I've got to look after me and mine. I've got to hold on to it. Who knows what might be around the corner. There might be a rainy day and whatever. God will provide you with an umbrella <laughs> if you give. Yes. Nobody's saying that you'll get ri- you will be rich by giving. God, the Bible doesn't say that, right? The Bible doesn't say that. But God says he will meet our needs when we give. Not if we don't give. You, you, show, me that, you show me that promise. You won't be able to. But when we give, God promises to meet our needs. It's like tithing. It's, it talks about bringing the tithe in the storehouse. It talks about the 10% that we give first and foremost. It talks about that. In the, and it says, when you've done that, then... The then is important. Then I will open the gates of heaven. I'm not opening the gates of heaven until you start to give. That's what God's saying. So it's this joy of giving. It seems a crazy thing to do, but God doesn't need our money. But he wants to see the release that comes and the freedom that we get when we begin to give. And God does meet our needs. God is no man's debtor. God just bless us. God makes the money that we've got left go many times further than the money than what we thought we had in the first place. That stuff actually works. I've seen that myself just this week. We decided that this is what we're going to give and, and you know, the, the, the sacrifice of that. And, and, and then f- from an unexpected source, God blessed us. It's, just, it's crazy. That was lucky. Wasn't that lucky that that happened this week? I mean, really, that was the luck of the Lord. It wasn't lucky. It's the God fulfills the promises. Promises. The joy of giving. Paul said... If you flip over to Philippians chapter 4, and we'll get to that in a few weeks' time, but Paul said in Philippians 4.18, At the moment I have all I need, and more, I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me from Epaphroditus. And he goes on to say quite an extraordinary sentence. These gifts, he says, they are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. So when we give, it's a spiritual sacrifice. It's spiritual. It's not secular. It's spiritual when we give. 
It's wonderful that we enjoy that and we can do that. Giving is a spiritual act of worship. Paul's joy was not dependent on how much he had because he'd understood that he'd had times when he had nothing and he had times when he had more than enough. And it wasn't dependent. His joy was not dependent on that. It was about the fact that God met his need. So when we come to give our, our offering today and we come to give our vision offering at the, to all, in a few minutes' time, I want you to be able to do that with a smile on your face. Because if you feel obligated or, or, or constrained, that's just never the way to give. It's got to be joy. You know, if you, at Christmas someone gives you a present and mm. Well, you've given me a present, so mm. I'll give you a present. That's rubbish, right? Keep it, don't bother, is what you'd probably say to them. There needs to be joy. The Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. There's joy in giving. and we, you, you, If you don't give, you don't understand. You haven't a clue what I'm talking about. But when you start to give, you will understand that that's what makes a difference. So thank God for that. God loves a cheerful giver. We get to give. Yeah. I've looked forward to, to, to this service because I get to give. Yes. We get to give. Wonderful. Yeah. Bring it on. Bring Sunday on. We're ready to give. And I can know that many of you feel the same. It's wonderful to be able to give in a vision offering. So the joy of giving can only be experienced if we do it. If you withhold, the Bible says, if you hold and hold and don't give, that actually leads to poverty. That's what the Word of God says. We'll never have if we don't give. God, God will get more resources to you if he can get more resources through you to bless others. And so we don't want more so that we have more. We want more so we can do more and bless more. The examples were there. So that's the joy of giving. The, easy, the hardest one is the joy of family. Because the hardest thing in life is relationships. And Paul's talking about Timothy and Epaphroditus. He calls one a son and one a brother. And he's really praising these guys up big style. He's not thinking, oh, they'll get, you know, they'll get big-headed if I talk about them. No, he's praising them. He's honoring them like we should do. And he's talking about this joy of family. Relationships are the biggest challenge in our lives, but we can't achieve anything without relationships. Relationships lead to heartache. Relationships uh, can be, have, cause tension and difficulty and problems, but it's the greatest joy in our lives when we've got this going going well. Our friends are brilliant. I mean, Paul, Paul mentioned that a hundred times in the, in the epistles, he refers to people as friends. That's not very impressive on face, Facebook, if you've got a hundred friends. On Twitter, a hundred followers. Justin Bieber's got 49 million. <laughs> but they're not really friends. But a few people he calls brothers and sons. And I just believe we need more sons and brothers in this house. This is not gender specific. We need more sisters and daughters in this house. So don't worry about the gender thing. People who really, this, this is us. This is, this is our DNA. This, this is who we are. We're, this is our family, actually. You know, this is the joy of relationships, the joy, the joy of family. It's absolutely wonderful. He refers to Timothy 
as a son there. In verse, in verse 20, he says, I have no one else like Timothy. He says, he genuinely cares about your welfare. He talks about being united with him. So he's Timothy. He's sincere in what he does. Timothy was a lot different to Paul in many ways. He, wa- he wasn't as confident as Paul. He, he was quite a timid kind of a guy. He was quite a reserved kind of guy. He didn't have much of a, a presence with him. He was different to Paul, but co- Paul calls him a son because he had the same heart. And it's about heart, isn't it? When you're part of a family in a church community, it's actually about heart. It's about having the same vision. It's about having the same desire. It's about sharing the same values. It's about believing that this is what we're all about and we're in this together. And yes, I'm, I'm a son of this house and I'm, I'm a daughter of this house. So this is, this is, this is my, I share the same DNA. He genuinely cares. He's, he's sincere. He's devoted for, to Christ. He's proved himself. You know, in 1 Corinthians 4.17, Paul says, I'm going to send Timothy, my son, who I love, who is faithful in the Lord. A son has proved himself. I'm looking at many people who've proved themselves. You genuinely care. You genuinely serve. You genuinely love this house and you've given your life to it in so many different ways. It's so wonderful. There's great joy in family. We don't quit on family. If, you've got, if, you, if you're a parent, you don't quit on your kids. You're there for them. You might not always enjoy some of the things that they do, but you're there for them. You might not you know, there might be challenges and, 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 and difficulties at times, but I, hold on a minute, blood's thicker than water. Yeah. We, this, we're a family, and I think we should look at our church community the same, that we are family, we're together. You know, this, 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 these are my brothers, these are my sons, these are my daughters, my sisters. You know, this is it. Years ago in church, people would refer to themselves, to each other as brother and sister. It was quite handy because if you didn't, couldn't remember anyone's name, it was always, how are you doing, brother? Sorted. And it's better to remember, and it sounds a bit old-fashioned, but think about it for a moment. If we really can consider each other as brothers and sisters, sons and daughters, how many, how many uh, sons have you got? I don't mean biologically. I mean, how many, pe- how many sons and daughters are you investing in? You know, you go to some businesses and they have a little plaque outside which says investors in people. This, this, we should have started that, church. We invest in people. But it's not all, it's not one person's job. It's every person's responsibility that we invest in people. So if we know something, pass it on. If you've got a skill, pass it on. If you see someone wanting to serve and whatever that might be, pass it on. If you're a hospitable person, you, you really understand what that is. Teach somebody else. Bring somebody up to, to duplicate that. And, 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 you know, whatever that might look like. You know, I've learned a couple of things in life. You know, you know uh, been around a few years, seen a few things happen. Well, invest that. Pass that on. How sad it is, you know, when you sometimes see TV programs and you see you know, someone's doing a bit of stone masonry or something like that, and, and somebody says he's the oh, there's only three of these guys in the whole country. The, the, the skill is dying out. How sad would that be in church 
if we don't invest in other people to the level that we bring them up and we draw them up and the son. Timothy was a son. He referred to, just quickly, Epaphroditus as a brother. He said he's a true brother, a co-worker, a fellow soldier. I love that, a true brother. He, this guy's part of this family. He gets it. He knows what we're about. He has the same cult. He has the same culture. He's a co-worker. It's good to have people that we work together, that we stand together. I love that idea, that thought of he's a fellow soldier. You know, when you're in the trenches, up to to here in in muck and bullets, (laughs) you need to know who's standing with you. But you know, I'm not just looking around for where's my fellow soldiers. I'm going to be one. I'm going to stand with somebody. I'm going to be shoulder to shoulder with somebody. I'm going to support and encourage somebody else. Because out of that, we get other people around us. So here he is, Epaphroditus. Like Paul, he wasn't selfish. I mean, I love the thought, with scripture we read, he's Epaphroditus was upset that the people in Philippi were upset because he was ill. He's not saying, pray for, feel sorry for me. No, he was upset that they were upset that he was ill. What a selfless attitude that was. That's one of the sort of, it's about me. Look, I've come all this way. Look what God's done to me. I'm sick. I've nearly died. No, he was bothered that they were upset. What a selfless attitude. I just love that. I just love that in this guy, Epaphroditus. What I think we can learn, obviously, from that he's a brother, he's a true brother, a fellow soldier, he's fighting alongside us, he gets it, he shares it, concern for others. You know, Paul had his problems in prison, he had these guys that were supporting him, but he was actually prepared to send them back to encourage somebody else. I love that whole selfless attitude that we see there so very, very clearly. And at the end it talks about, verse 29, welcome him with Christian love and with great joy. Give him the honor that people like him deserve. I think this should be a house where we honor people. And I don't just mean that we honor leadership. Thank you. I always feel honored in this house. No, I think we should honor each other. I think we should honor everybody. I think we should honor everybody that that serves and not take people for granted. And I think that should be our culture, our attitude of honor. We honor people in this house. It's not just a selective few. It's everybody. We value that. Welcome him with Christian love and with great joy. This is why blue t-shirts and a big cheesy grin at the front door is important. Because we welcome people with great joy. And with Christian love, it's important. A friend of mine, Mark Ritchie, who's going to be with us in April, isn't, uh, in May, sorry, he's an evangelist and he travels around the, the UK, probably visits many, many, he does visit many, many churches. And he was asked a question just yesterday, so Mark, what is, the, what is the kind of key in these churches? What is the kind of the thing that you see where churches are growing and churches are expanding? What's kind of the common denominator? You know what he said? where churches give a great welcome. Think about that for a moment. Think about that. People need to be honored. They might not have seen anybody ever honor them very much, but they're going to be honored in this house. They're going to be welcomed in this house with great joy. They're going to be blessed with Christian love because that is so very, very important. The joy of giving 
the joy of family. I love this house. I love you as our family. But you know, it's so important that we get it. Yeah, well, I am family. I'm going to do what I can. Let's pray. Discover more about us at lifelanks.org and stay inspired by subscribing to the podcast via iTunes. Thanks for listening.